have never won a world series yeah it's also it's a world without baseball right now no this no no yesterday was the fall all-star game right fall league all-star game the arizona, arizona fall, league. fall league yeah yeah i didn't watch it did you watch it nope i saw highlights on twitter i've always wanted to go that'd be fun let's Just, do like, it take some time off Let's go back in time two days and go. All right, I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> or we could just book our tickets now for next year. Yeah. A whole year in advance. Yeah. Let's he do it. Yo, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Tipping pitches next year, live from the Arizona Fall League. If we actually did all the things that we said on this show, we would be even further in debt than we already are. We'd probably be famous, too. So would it's we? like, it's the trade-off. Yo, if we interviewed Tebow? Um, True. Was Tebow in the Arizona Fall League this year again? Uh, no, I don't think we so. We need to bring back our, our weeks with Tebow. Yeah. Because I miss him. I miss him too. Not only that, like, we, we were raised on that, essentially, yeah, we, on, this, <laughs> on this podcast. This, is, this podcast was born out of a out of a Tim Tebow uh, baseball appearance, I guess. <laughs> but mostly out of, like, my team signing him and being the clown show that, yeah, that brought that circus to town. Anyway, <laughs> we already went on a tangent. <laughs> but... The Astros, the Houston Astros, yeah. 2017 World Series champions. Yeah, respect. Congrats to them. That was a, that was a fun World Series. Yeah, Just, like top to bottom. Oh, regardless of who was going to win, that was. I know you and I both picked the Dodgers at the beginning. It was really a coin flip. Like we could have yeah. picked either team, and it would have felt okay. And frankly, I think we all got our money's worth in this sort of thing. Like this is the best possible outcome we could have asked for. Yeah. I picked I mean we picked the Dodgers to win, not necessarily we were rooting for them, right? But I found right. I came in kind of agnostic and then after like game one or two, I was like, damn, this Astros team is amazing. I kinda want them to win. So I, I started rooting for them over the course of the series, which is fun. It was an organic way to see a team win the World Series. This is the first World Series I can remember actually caring about like most innings of every game. Right? Like it in the World Series past, like even last year in the seven game like thriller between the Cubs and Indians when they broke their curse, right? I, I can't really tell you. Perhaps this is recency bias, but like I don't really remember games one through four or even like one through six being all that insane, right? All you remember and all you take away is game seven and the rain delay and everything and the Cubs breaking that curse and, and coming back from down through one. But I don't really remember the entire series from like top to bottom being necessarily as incredible as this one yeah i mean the problem is that this world series has now like set the bar (laughs) as in like this is probably the greatest world series i have ever witnessed and i'm sure a lot of people have ever witnessed and we will probably witness for a very long time we're saying this as two very young people like the 97 world series was insane the 2001 world series was insane yeah but i know we're not the only ones who hold this opinion either i mean like if we're ranking this world series among like World Series is throughout history. This I put this one up there. Like this was incredible. This is the Look best at that we could screaming ask for. hot take. <laughs> it's up there. All right. <laughs> uh, no, I know what you're saying, and yeah, it was really incredible. I don't think we're ever oh, gonna see. It was incredible. Fuck you. <laughs> I don't think we're ever gonna see like the the game five hijinks again. Like that that feels pretty statistically improbable that we're gonna get a game that swings back and forth with that many home runs ever again. Although, like you said, I don't, I don't know that we necessarily need one of those. Yeah, it was pretty funny because like Shea Serrano is a staff writer for The Ringer and is from Houston. Wait, do we read The Ringer? Yo, at The Ringer, hire us. Yeah, Bill Simmons. Though. But uh, he Bill was. Bill Simmons is listening <laughs> to this. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll ta- this gives us a reason. Now that we've mentioned him, we have to tag him in yeah. the tweets. So maybe he'll start naming a bunch of places. <laughs> At Deadspin. But uh, he was getting into the World Series just because of how... (laughs) At Sports Illustrated. Anyway. Because of how uh, just wild this was. And it was funny because he was live tweeting like Game 5 and being like, this is fucking insane. And then Game 6 rolls around, which is like a good pitching matchup. And, you know, for all accounts and purposes is a 
good baseball game. And he's like, this is boring. So, like, <laughs> baseball set the bar very, very high for this sort of thing. Yeah. Imagine just becoming a baseball fan during this series. Oh, my God. I can't imagine that. <laughs> and and next season rolls around and you're like, what the fuck? Where are all the home runs? And not knowing, like, the, the absolute depths of, like, the 2010 through 2014, like, just pitching, grueling pitching matchups that those seasons brought. Like, ima- yeah. I cannot imagine seeing baseball like seeing this World Series without the context of that baseball, you know, like for him, he was probably like, yeah, home runs every other plate yeah. appearance. That's fun. Yeah. Like, that doesn't sound, that's not what happens. <laughs> yeah, maybe, honestly, let's just transform the the game of baseball. If you're a pitcher, sorry, you're going to get rocked every time you go out there. You were literally only there to serve up batting practice fastballs to hitters and they're going to smash them out of the park. It's like the it's like any defense who has to play the Warriors. Yeah. It's just the mentality that you have to go into. <laughs> it's like you got to do this. Everyone goes through this once. <laughs> we're just breaking all sports. It's just like we broke baseball because we're just letting them hit with lacrosse balls now. Yeah. And we broke basketball because the Warriors are just going to win every title for the next 10 years. Yeah. We broke football because it's a stupid game that everyone realizes no one should play. Yeah, the players just break themselves. It's yeah, fine. exactly. And what's next? We broke soccer because the U.S. national team didn't make the World Cup. <laughs> America's fucking up, man. Yeah. In all seriousness, let's look back on this World Series a little bit. Just what did you take away from this series other than the fact that it just like blew our heads off and, and actually went the full distance? And it was two teams that were very evenly matched in the end. But what will you take away from this series? I do think that we may see more teams try and follow the Astros model of trust in the process, man, and <laughs> eating a few years of uh, 100 lost seasons because it worked for them, right? I mean, they... Now, you have to imagine a lot of that had to do with some savvy front office moves, and not everyone is going to get so lucky in the draft. But I feel like this is kind of one of the first examples. We had the Cubs as well, but that didn't turn out as great as I think people would have expected. Also, they had a huge budget. Well, they had a huge budget, yeah. And so the Astros are smaller market than a team like the Red Sox or the Dodgers or something like that. And they were able to put together a team of really like young players. And that's what's really important is that they've built this core. And I mean, obviously, it's like we have the recency bias where we can be like the Astros are better than the Cubs. But like their young core, I would take over the Cubs any day of the week. Over any, Just because there are so many core. question marks with the Cubs now. And so... Even the Dodgers' young core, which we've ranted and raved about all season, I would take the Astros over them 100 times out of 100. Yeah. Well, the thing about the Dodgers, too, is that a lot of their success hinged on guys who maybe we didn't expect those sorts of contributions, right? The the Rich Hills, who, like, broke out at 37. Like, why? Um, the Justin Turner, who the, reinvented himself after New York. Yeah. yeah, the Justin Turner, the Chris Taylors, the guys who kind of took advantage of, like, the data revolution and were able to kind of t- retool their um, skill set. If you've turn, created and a drinking it. game to this show, data revolution is one of the things that you have to take a drink for. It's data revolution, <laughs> flyball revolution. Uh, uh, juice ball juice ball he's so fun to watch tim tebow yeah everyone's drunk right now but <laughs> so i think that that's something that we'll probably take away from is maybe more teams kind of trending towards that and being okay with being bad for a few years because clearly it's the sort of thing that works out we've now seen back-to-back years of that strategy working out right can i just interject though yes i don't think clearly it's something that works out it is objectively the best process here we are saying we're using fucking philadelphia 76ers terminology but like it is the best process it is the best way to take a team that is garbage and make them good again right like that is what the draft was invented for in all sports but also it doesn't work for every team it's not the clearly the best way for every single team in every single situation look at the padres they're garbage look at the angels they're bad. Yeah, at- but but all right, the Angels one is a little different cuz like Cause they have Mike, Trout. They have Mike yeah. Trout and they're like trying to compete a little bit. I mean, like they almost made the playoffs. Yeah, but there are other teams that have been terrible for a really long time that have not righted the ship at all. Yeah, but how many of them have like actually just bit the bullet and been like, "All right, fuck it. We're going to we're going to have 
a decade or five years of misery in order to turn this around. Like the Padres really kind of just started getting there. Um, the bre- I mean, the Brewers tried to do it and then they got too good. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's the other thing is that it's just so unpredictable what fringe players that you're going to get that are going to be bad. Like what if you get fringe Chris Taylor and he ends up being good? You know what I mean? It's like it's hard to guarantee that you're going to be really bad or really good in the sport because like most of the players are within a window of like it is a bell curve of who is good in this league right and and there are like your Carlos Correa's and your Alex Bregman's and Jose Altuve's on the one end of the bell curve and then there are very few other players on the opposite end that are terrible I don't know who who would you even assemble on your team if you wanted to be absolutely garbage and lose 100 games like that's almost impressive what the Astros did yeah it's almost equally as impressive that they lost 100 games for three straight years and didn't accidentally once win like 78 or like 80 and screw their draft pick and miss out on Carlos Correa or whoever it might have been it's like institutional level down like you have to be terrible yeah (laughs) everything that you think you want to do just do the opposite yeah it's very hard to (laughs) to like put yourself in that mindset when these people have like been bred to win so I see I see what you're saying with that but I think that we've now seen a couple teams like actively try and do this and and push that model and we're seeing this it's not just a baseball thing either right we're seeing this type of thing in basketball right and we're seeing this type of thing in football too so the i'm not saying that now half the league is going to make the playoffs and half the team is just gonna tank (laughs) um i don't think we're trending towards that but yeah because i mean you have teams like the mets who thought that they were going to compete and then injuries and dysfunction derailed them and then you end up not competing and also not being terrible because you have half of a team that's really good and half of a team that didn't really expect to be on the team. Yeah. So, I mean, you bring up a team like the Padres. The Padres tried to compete, right? Like, they thought they were going to be good. They had, I mean, you know, whatever, whatever, what was it, last year? They had, like, Matt Kemp, guys like Will Myers, and some really, I mean, they traded Trey Turner. (laughs) I don't think they really thought that they were going to, quote-unquote, compete, but they could at least push for, now with, like, the wild card system, it's like, everyone thinks that they can maybe sneak in as the second wild card yes, and then exactly. at least their fans are like oh this was an enjoyable team to watch they quote made the playoffs yeah. right like i don't know I don't know. is it worth it because baseball is obviously the longest season that is the heart as a fan that's like i feel like maybe the hardest thing to swallow is like you know that your team is building for the future but you have to watch 162 games of just complete misery oh here's the thing though i think you don't really have to watch it baseball is one of those sports that if your team is really actually terrible you could pretty much tune it out relatively easily you could watch the good teams or you could just watch for like one young players at bats when the mets got terrible at the end of the season I was watching Ahmed Rosario and Dom Smith's plate appearances. I was not sitting down and watching a three and a half hour Mets game with fucking Chris Flexen starting the game and lasting two and two thirds and then turning it over to the below average bullpen. You know what I mean? So it's one of those sports where you can, I don't want to say tune it out because then you're just losing baseball out of your life for a half season and that that alone is depressing. But I don't know. The day to day monotony of baseball is one that it's just like white noise in the background if your team is bad. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get that. I think the the Mets are a different situation because of all the promise that they have, right? And you have those stars. Um, whereas the Astros, for a couple of years there, did not have a lot going for them in yeah. terms of, like, guys, you can tune in. And they had Altuve at the end where it was like you started to see the Astros turn the corner and get those uh, young couple guys. But to will... have, like, to if the Mets traded the entire staff, Rosario and Smith, would you be tuning into <laughs> Mets games? Like... <laughs> Uh, no, and I'd be burning all my Mets jerseys and everything, but, (laughs) but though, my point though, is that like, at least in baseball, you can get lucky and beat a good team. Whereas something like you brought up basketball earlier, like if your team is doing this in basketball, like if you're the 2013 or 2014 Sixers, not only are you losing every night, you don't even have a chance of winning. There is a significantly less statistical chance of you beating even an average team than a very bad baseball team beating an average team. And the whole like the whole point of basketball is like that it remains close for the entire game. And baseball and if your team is terrible, it's not remaining close. But in baseball, it's probably gonna remain close. Even if you're the worst team in the league, the best team in the league might only beat you three one, five one. That's still relatively close, um, in baseball terms. And I just think like at least there are some entertaining things about baseball. Like the whole ballpark experience if you wanna go to the game or like 
it almost turns into like people don't really care as much about the the competition levels but it's a whole nother thing if uh if you're the astros and you're losing 110 games a year or 103 games a year or whatever it might have been and (laughs) just to kind of wrap up this point like the astros were so bad that they had like clippable gifable terrible (laughs) moments that i forget who it was was tweeting them after the world series but that happens to every bad basketball team. You know, every single bad basketball team is getting dunked on every night by LeBron James. And I just think, like, at least in baseball... Honestly, every good team is getting <laughs> dunked on by LeBron James, too. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair point. But yeah, I, I see what you're saying. It, it definitely probably was really hard for uh, for the Houston fan base. But, you know, look um, what you got. Yo, they deserved it for sticking it through. I mean, Grant Brisby had that really good article at SB Nation just kind of about the city of Houston and how this team is perfect for them just because it's, like, the culmination of a bunch of, like, fuck-ups and mishaps. And he brings up, like, the monstrosity that was the Astrodome. And, and he talks about how, like, they, they built a new stadium and then just fucking threw a hill in center field and a train in left field. Like, why? I don't know. Why not? Yeah. Um, and he talks about the, the whole motto just of Houston. I can imagine and the, and the this... people who built that stadium, they're just standing in a conference room. They have a whiteboard and they're like, all right, guys, literally anything that comes to the top of your mind, we'll just write it on this whiteboard. And then at the end, we'll just vote. Yeah. <laughs> and somehow a train and a hill made it up there. Yeah. Why not? I love it. Anyway. Yeah, he talks about Houston and their motto just kind of being like, fuck it, try again, which is really like, and you know, in the context of the fact that this city wasn't even supposed to exist, like it was, it's built on these planes and is totally not equipped to handle the disasters, the, the natural disasters of the world. And yet here we are and, and Houston kind of. The Astros providing this this light and and very representative, just kind of of the the history of Houston. So yeah, definitely advise people to uh to go check that out and and read it and all of that. And it culminates in a Carlos Correa proposal and a George Springer awkwardly accepting a truck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> before, anyway, before we uh before we move on from the Dodgers real quick, I want to bring something up. Yeah, that makes me incredibly sad. There's two sides to this coin. Yeah. <laughs> so we talked about how last week I, I really wanted the Dodgers to win if only because of Kershaw or at the very least I wanted Kershaw to do well because I am so sick and tired of the narrative of Kershaw can't perform on the big stage and I, he deserves it man he seems like a really good guy frankly um, we say that quite often without st- knowing anything about these guys but yes, you're right we do. he does seem like a fantastic guy I mean I think that he very much deserves this. I mean, he puts he goes out and puts the Dodgers on his back every fifth day, like more than any other starting pitcher in baseball does. But here we are, Clayton Kershaw throwing up a dud in game five. And so after the after the World Series, he came out and talked to uh, Josh Peter from USA Today and gave this quote where he says, maybe one of these days I won't fail. We won't fail and we'll win one of these things. I think once the dust settles and we go home, we can realize that we had a pretty amazing season and we finished in second place, which nobody cares about or remembers. Ah! Uh, wow. My heart just shattered into a million pieces. Seriously, wow. <laughs> wow. Clayton, no. Yeah. Who hurt you? Wait, he. Uh, there's more. He goes, this month felt like 27 years. You can ask my wife too. I think it took 10 years off her life. Oh my God. It's just every game, every pitch. It's just so intense. It's hard. You go through this much effort to win that many games against this many good teams. And it's, I mean, I hope to get to this point again. Damn. What's really heartbreaking about that is that there's really no guarantee that they do get there again. No. I watched my team of young aces make it in 2015 and be like, oh, the future is so bright. And literally every single person was like, yeah, they're going to get back here. Um, You know, the World Series odds the next day, those like way too early Vegas odds were like the Mets were the favorite to win it or make it back next year or some shit like that and now i'm just like yeah they're never making it back in the rest of my life so <laughs> poor clayton i, I feel so bad for him i feel really bad for him too astros should trade for him yeah why not <laughs> uh but anyway clayton you're still with us in our hearts we believe in you let's be real they're probably gonna make it back next year yeah they probably will <laughs> but who knows all right well when we come back some highlights of the the 2017 playoffs and some players that perhaps we feel are not getting the proper limelight that they deserve so silly. So silly. 
right. So, I mean, we already mentioned the big names from each of these teams. And last episode, we went deep on the Astros' young core and just how exciting they were and how lively they play. You know, I mentioned Correa uh, earlier in the episode getting down on one knee and proposing to his fiance. Amazing. That was an talk amazing about, moment. That brought tears to my eyes. I'm not even kidding. Talk about life. Um, talk about a baseball player who has life in him. Literally, they win the World Series and he just gets down on one knee. So yeah, he's cute. like, nah, one ring's not enough. <laughs> you were sitting next to me and I just turned to you and I like death gripped your shoulder <laughs> and I was like, is this what I think it is? Is this what I think is happening? Yes. I was so excited. What a moment. And then we also mentioned Springer earlier in the episode, but it feels like maybe we should talk about the fact that he won World Series MVP. And he's 24. Yeah. Is that good? Respect. Um, I, I love him. Yeah. He, he is quickly, I think maybe said that I said this last podcast, but like he's so risen to the top of favorite Astros players. Correa's amazing. Altuve's incredible to watch, but Springer's just like kind of has the whole package. He's like cute and he is eccentric and he puts it all out there, man. Yeah. I love that he's, like, kind of reserved, but, like, he saves his emotion for, like, the biggest moment. So when he hit the home runs, he was just, like, absolutely juiced. But, for, like, for the rest of the series, he seemed relatively even-keeled slash almost even nervous. And that was just so fun uh, to see as a viewer, to see it, like, come through the screen, really. Um, so, I mean, we mentioned those guys earlier, but those guys are going to be talked about, as well as Altuve, as well as Bregman, as well as Verlander, who also got married. Everyone's just getting married. <laughs> I mean, Correa's not married yet, but Verlander and Kate Upton were just like, uh, we're not going to go to the World Series parade. Yeah. We're just going to get hitched, which, all power to them. Yeah, I think, they, uh, I think they're going to Italy, if they haven't already gone. Respect. So, yeah. Respect. I dig it. Italy's dope. <laughs> anyway, obviously those players are going to be talked about. They're going to get several profiles written of them, uh, written about them in the off season. We just wanted to talk about some players who we feel like maybe won't get all the profiles in the off season, or or maybe won't this momentum of this 2017 playoff run won't carry over for them in the way that it did for a lot of people. So, Alex, who you got? Who who do you think? Who is the first guy that comes to mind when you're like, this dude definitely overperformed what I was expecting, and. I hope that he gets enough attention going into the 2018 season based off what he did in the 2017 playoffs. Well, the guy who I think stuck out in my mind most, and it's not even someone who I think overperformed, but I think probably just his star is a little bit hidden on this Astros team was Charlie Morton, who was obviously on the mound when the Astros got the final out, and he pitched a few incredible innings at the end of the game to uh, to hold the Dodgers down. And I don't, he had a, he's had a really incredible year. I mean, has really turned his career around. And I think was kind and of... The Astros were just like, throw harder. Yeah, basically. And again, I think he's an example of one of these guys who took advantage of all the data at his hand. We talk about like the front office being able to use data, but it also helps players too, right? And so, I mean, throwing harder obviously helps, right? But when you can kind of retool your game a little bit, um, he took full advantage of that. And watching him really put it on full display during the postseason was amazing. And his uh, his postgame interview where he was like, he literally looked like he was in shock. Like he had no idea what had just happened. He was talking oh, to... Oh, yeah, no. I, I forgot all about that. Yeah, I think... Who was he talking to? Was it Verducci or Rosenthal? One, I mean, it had to be one of those two. Yeah, I think, I think it was Rosenthal. Where Rosenthal was like, how do you feel? And Morton was just like, it's... Um, it's just incredible, and I was like, he looked like he just watched like a train crash, like a train wreck. Yeah, and I'm like, are you okay? Like, I was kind of worried about him. Hi, I really was happy for him, um, because he's uh, he's getting up there. I don't know how old he is. Maybe 31, 32. No, he's thirty. Oh, he's about to turn thirty four. <laughs> but I was also reading a little bit about him after the World Series, and apparently he came over from the Pirates. And was really struggling with his confidence over there because he just was getting hit around really hard to the point where supposedly a lot of the Pirates like beat reporters, a lot of Pittsburgh media was like actually pulling for him just because he was struggling with like his confidence so much. And so to see him and here you are, you want every fucking pitcher to get batted around <laughs> and just have the the home run revolution just come actually to a head. Yeah. Savage. But I think he's really getting his due now. And yeah, man, he turned it on. He was lights out, especially in the World Series. So. Yeah, to your point about the the fact that his star is not as 
is relatively hidden among these other huge constellations of baseball players that are on this Astros team. Like, I will remember the closer being in for many World Series and and throwing his glove up in the air. And unfortunately, I will remember Papelbon in 2004, like dropping down on his knees and throwing his hands up. And I'll remember, you know, Brad Lidge for the Phillies. Like, these are images that will never leave my head. I find it hard to believe that in 10 years or or. I guess it's been 13 years since the Red Sox. Yeah. Wow. Um, Not long enough. <laughs> true. <laughs> <laughs> I find it hard to believe that in, you know, a decade, a decade and a half, I will remember the fact that Charlie Morton was on the mound <laughs> and, <laughs> and threw like four inning, four incredible innings in relief. So you're right. He should get all the credit in the world, especially having turned his career around the way that he did. And it's a cool moment, man. It's He was just overcome. He was so overcome with like emotion. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't even know what I would... In that moment, I would probably be the exact same way. I would just be like, what? Wait, what just happened? <laughs> I would just black out. I my If I was being interviewed, I remember one time in high school, I got interviewed post-basketball game. Literally the only time in my career we were playing some shitty-ass team, and I actually <laughs> played a lot. <laughs> and... I was being interviewed, and I just remember I kept repeating the same phrase over and over again. I kept and I kept ending every sentence, and all this different stuff, and all this different. <laughs> that would be me, <laughs> yeah. Charlie Boren. But uh, I, I don't know. It was just we won, and all this different stuff, and all this different stuff was going on. And <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what to do. Like, yeah. So yeah, I can't really can't judge him. No, good for him. Yeah. What about you from this World Series? One guy that stood out to you, who you who you're gonna remember? <laughs> My guy would be Alex Bregman, but I don't think he qualifies under the won't be talked about yeah. enough category. Unknown. He's <laughs> arguably the most talked about one right now. Yeah, exactly. But he was the one that really blew me away the most. Yeah. Just because I haven't, I mean, I did not watch like 70 Astros games this year. You know, I only watched them when they were playing on national television or against the A's or, yeah. or we were watching them together or what's, whatever. But. What's great about him is that he's only going to get better too. Like he's, he's like so 20, young. 23 or something like that. Yeah. And he is a... Uh, I don't know. Watching him get interviewed by the uh, the Fox postgame <laughs> crew was amazing. An absolute delight. Yeah, it was um, real good. So I won't pick him, even though we just spent like a minute talking about him. I will say, though, Marwin Gonzalez really impressed me in this playoffs because yeah. he, he didn't perform really all that well. But for the year, he was really key to this team. I mean, he filled a spot in the outfield where they have this cornerstone to use the phrase (laughs) 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 metaphorically they have a cornerstone in center field i know that's sort of a contrary idea but they have this young cornerstone piece of their franchise and and george springer out in center field i mean he's the guy on the sports illustrated cover he's sort of the when he comes up he's like the one that signifies that this team is like ready to start their upward trend right and then surrounding him you don't really have like guys that were part of the Astros from day one you know I mean Gonzalez is like a veteran they got Redick uh just starting this year and he's not really like an Astro to his core right like I I see him and I think like I think of the A's because of you but I also think the Dodgers trading for him last year and so kind of surrounding Springer and center field are new faces and one of those faces is Marwin Gonzalez, who had a career year, who struggled in the playoffs, but then when it mattered the most, ties the game in the World Series, I guess game two, right, with a with a home run to dead center field. Like, what are the chances? Just the, the ability of this team to be resilient and that being exemplified in Marwin Gonzalez basically not doing much for uh, this postseason or in this World Series, but then when it matters most and the team rallying then around him, I just I was impressed by the fact that he's not really on the same age timeline. This team impressed me just in general with the fact that they have dudes from like every age group, every age bracket, but the the core of their team is from a very young age bracket and the ability of them to to mix and in that Grant Brisby piece we talked about earlier just he writes a lot about how they really actually like each other. Yeah. And there of course there are plenty of teams that hated each other. And we're still really good, like probably every Yankees team. But just the ability of Marwin Gonzalez to fit into this picture and know his role on the team and overperform that role and be fine with it, I just think that was a really cool part of this postseason and this season in general um, that I will take away at least and hopefully the rest of the national media will as well. Yeah, he um, he really kind of rose to prominence this year and was re- a really big part of why they were so successful. I mean, you could say that about most of their players because most of their players were really, really good. Everyone with a bat in their <laughs> hand was incredible this year. <laughs> um, and so, of course, Marwin Gonzalez 
who was on the Astros was just good too. But he was really, uh, was kind of like a guy who had some power coming into the year, but could never really hit for average. And I remember like, I, I think he missed the, maybe the first month of the season or so or something like that. And then he came out and started mashing and people were like, all right, he's going to calm down. It's going to be fine. And it gets to be July and people are like, okay, he's still hitting like 320, but like he's going to, he's going to cool down eventually. And then the end of the year rolls around and everyone's like, hey, Marlon, Marwin Gonzalez hit like 310 on the year with 23 home runs. <laughs> like what? <laughs> that was, came out of nowhere. Yo, it was a boon to my fantasy team. So I'll You had it. him on the squad? Oh yeah. You know. Oh, it. mad respect. <laughs> you also had Kluber too, right? Yeah. Damn, they're, they're pulling you up. <laughs> um, I mean, just to kind of put it in perspective, he has 9.2 career war, uh, baseball reference war. And 4.3 of it came this year. Yeah. Like that's, and it's not like he's a rookie or anything like that. He's in his, this was his sixth year in the league. So a guy who really had a breakout year and, and that carried forward in big moments in this postseason, just that alone, it makes me happy to see. Yeah. I totally agree with you. Uh, who you got next? All right. From the other side of the diamond from this World Series and playoffs in general, uh, this one comes more from the playoffs, but I, I got to give a shout out to, young Kike Hernandez, who uh, who shocked the world um, <laughs> in the NLCS when he hit three home runs against the Cubs. and Literally shocked the world. Yeah. And he was pretty quiet <laughs> during the World Series. He hit like 231. But frankly, like... A lot of the Dodgers didn't hit too great in the World Series, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold that against him. And he really kind of broke through to some people in that series against the Cubs, where he hit like four forty four. He only had four hits. I mean, small sample size. He had four hits, and three of them were home runs. <laughs> um, but you know, I'll take a 1990 OPS any day of the week. Is that um, good? Is that good? I don't know. But uh, but I want that on my team when they reach the playoffs. Yeah, I don't have <laughs> much more to say on him other than he was kind of one of those, it felt like a spark plug on that team. Corey Seager is fun and amazing, but he doesn't always, he's not always the most over-the-top energetic guy. When you pair him against like Correa, like it's Correa who sprints out of the dugout on the final play of a game and like runs on the field or whatever. Uh, Seager doesn't necessarily do that sort of thing. Puig might, but uh, but but <laughs> Kike was a was a character in the dugout and was totally getting into it the the whole playoffs. Kike seems like Goon Squad. Yeah, uh, I love he, that about him. Yeah, me too. He's a uh, twenty six. Really has a uh, has not had a great. Career, but uh, oh, he hit 11 home runs this year. It's kind of nice. In a you're just reading baseball reference in now. 300 at bats. Yo, this is what I do. <laughs> uh, but anyway, 11 home runs in 300 at bats, not bad. No, but Two, also 215 average. Uh, all right, but also, uh, like fucking everyone hit 11 home runs in like 10 at bats. But you know what? He could have not hit 11 home runs, that would have been a lot worse, right? I guess I see where you're coming from. <laughs> At least he's keeping pace with everyone else. But anyway, um, that th- I think we can't forget that three home run game happened to these playoffs. I mean, so much happened these playoffs, and I feel like the World Series will kind of overshadow a lot of the other series as ha- happens. Yeah. But that three home run game was a pretty incredible thing to watch. Yeah. On on a similar note, I'm just going to breeze through my next one. Yeah. But it's Charlie Culberson. If we're going to list off OPS numbers, I mean, I don't have them in front of me, but his OPS in the NLCS was like, what, 1300 or something like that? Yeah, something like that. Un-freaking believable for a, for a guy who's like literally not very good at baseball. Yeah. Um, yeah, was literally Corey Seager's replacement. <laughs> how does that feel? <laughs> but also, it probably feels pretty good, dude, because he's like, yeah, dude, I know how to play baseball also. I'm a professional baseball player, yep. and in a small sample size, I can be Hank Aaron, I guess. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> or Mike Trout. <laughs> better than anything I could do. Yeah, fair. We, um, we, were, we look at this and we're like, yo, this guy only hit 190 in the playoffs. This guy only hit 215 on the year. I would hit approximately zero. Literally, so. like, I could... That would be, like, all right for me in, like, a video game. (laughs) I can't even do that in, like, a big video game. But (laughs) the other thing about Charlie Culberson, and I think you pointed this out to me. Yeah. But (laughs) he's basically, like, knockoff Dansby Swanson. Yeah. He literally even looks like him. They have the same hairstyle. They have the same jawline. Yo, the the, the two pictures that I posted, the hair swoop is the exact same. (laughs) It's like it's copy-pasted onto each other. I don't understand it. But they I just guess cloned each other. There are worse people to be knockoffs of. 
I mean, like, it's not even like he looks worse than Dansby. It's just that Dansby is more of a prominent figure in baseball, so that makes yeah. Culberson the knockoff. I don't really know if that's fair because Culberson is older and equally as handsome and probably has been worth similar war in MLB because Dansby has not been as good as we thought he was going to be to yeah. this point yet. Yeah, honestly, if we're being real, he's Charlie Culberson has probably had a better year, a uh, better career than Dansby Swanson. Da- so. Are we saying that Dansby's the knockoff? Dansby Swanson is knockoff Damn. Dansby Swanson. <laughs> is knockoff Charlie Culberson? No, he's knockoff of himself. <laughs> Culberson is knockoff of Swanson, but then Swanson this is, this is, is really... getting too meta for me. <laughs> um, anyway, I wanted to breeze through that one, but my actual last one is Masahiro Tanaka because he was very, he was much maligned this year by Yankees fans. I can speak to that because I work at a place that covers the Yankees as one of their beats. And there were a lot of stories about how even like Girardi or like the fans or the front office was very unhappy with the way he was performing just because he was so up and down. And when it came to October, he was up. He was lights out. And I love to see that. And now I just read a story the other day that he is coming back at a similar price tag for like three more years. So good for him. I want to see him be part of this, this Yankees rise back to prominence because He was pitching for some teams that no one was really sure if they wanted to compete or not compete, but he was pitching really well, and he was pitching through, I'm pretty sure, a partial UCL tear. So, like, dude, he deserves this just as much as anyone else on that Yankees team. Maybe a little less than CeCe because CeCe's been there forever, and we love CeCe here on this podcast. But I was happy to see Tanaka perform because he has, like you, Darvish, he has one of the best repertoires in the game, and when it's not working... It's, it becomes very easy to criticize them as pitchers because they're like, oh, why are you throwing all this junk? Why don't you just throw your fastball, establish the fastball, and, and work off of it with the off-speed? Like, that's not the way they pitch because that is not, like, the Japanese style of pitching necessarily. And so to see Tanaka succeed against really in, incredible teams. I mean, he shut down the Astros, who we're talking about as, like, one of the greatest offenses ever, and they beat the Indians as well. And so, I don't know, I was just really happy for him. He's a really fun guy to watch for me. I've always kind of had a little bit of soft spot for the way that the a little bit of soft spot for him in light of the way that the New York media kind of treats him as someone who's not really an ace, but on a, on a holistic season by season basis, he has been their ace. So um, obviously Severino was it this year, but to have a guy like Tanaka go every five days, I'll take that. Yeah, you could do a lot worse. <laughs> you could do way worse. Yeah, he's he's a lot of fun to watch and. I do kind of wonder what that transition is like coming over from Japan. I don't really know what the what the media scene is like there, but that's not the easiest transition to make. Oh, you're just going to go and play for the Yankees now. You have to deal with this. The Yankees. Yeah, the fucking Yankees. <laughs> you have to deal <laughs> Let's with Let's just fan- say again, the Yankees. <laughs> you have to deal with the fan base, you have to deal with the media, and he really did have kind of a rocky year and I was pulling for him cuz that's just I mean, that's not something you ever want to see. We were talking about throughout the playoffs we're like I want this team to win, but I don't want the pitchers to look so sad. I I want them to do well, too. (laughs) The other thing is, though, when he struggles, he gives up home runs. And if there's anything that old white Yankees fans hate, it's giving up home runs, right? You You could get doubled to death by any lineup in the AL, and they'd be like, well, you know, at least he's locating his pitches, or at least he's keeping the ball in the yard. The fact that you're giving up home runs, everyone's like, oh, this dude's trash. This dude's garbage. Like, Everyone can hit a home. Anyone can hit a home run off him. And I'm like, all right, well, first of all, you go up there and try to hit a home run off of him. And second of all, the ball is deuced as hell. Can we at least acknowledge that and the fact that a lot of these home runs would, would not be home runs? And a lot of it has to do with the fact that, you know, he's he's been very negatively affected by a home run, league-wide home run spike. And so... I don't know. It was good to see him lock it down in the playoffs. Yeah, and it's also nice for him, I think, that he doesn't have to carry this rotation anymore because even just a couple years ago, it was kind of like he was going to be the saving grace, and there really was not a lot else that they could count on. I mean, they had CeCe, who was kind of, eh. He was figuring out his older self. Yeah. Right? Um, And then they had, like, Michael Pineda, who can't really stay healthy or even figure out how to be good yeah this is before Severino really broke out as a true ace and before they had picked up Sonny Gray and before their young guys like Jordan Montgomery or Chance Adams had ever really come into the picture at all and Tanaka was going to be like the guy to hold down this rotation I think he there were a lot of really lofty expectations put on him and now I think he's kind of settling back down and and figuring himself out so yeah that was that was good for him yeah Yankees fans were like oh we've been irrelevant for a little while here's this guy who's supposed to be really good now just be really good and if you're not fuck you side note yankees fans the worst so 
like privilege like ungrateful. oh we've been <laughs> we've been bad for a few years yeah so ungrateful be an astros fan we haven't had a hall of fame pitcher in like i don't know a decade yeah tragic i roll <laughs> do you have anyone else or is that it no i do have someone else i do want you mentioned him i want to give a shout out to cc sabathia i don't think that he is um he's not a guy who like isn't getting his due because he totally is but i still think it's reasonable to point out how incredible he was in this postseason for the yankees he was so instrumental you had people being like oh yeah uh, the Indians are fucked. They're playing against CC Sabathia in 2017 in an elimination game. Like that should not be a reason for the what was maybe the best team in the league all year to be really that worried. But CC just like showed up, man. Yeah, it's been really fun to watch him turn his career around and become more of a pitch to contact kind of guy. Now that the velocity isn't there, he's been more of like a location guy and relying less on his fastball and more on the off speed pitches. And that's been really. I, it's been really fun to watch because not as many, not many pitchers have that graceful of a uh, of a decline. Some people uh, just fall right off the wagon. So, uh, shouts out to him. I, I respect it. Um, CC Jared Weaver, CC <laughs> Tim Lincecum, CC. Oh, sad. Yeah, sad. But the last guy I want to mention is Michael Taylor for the Washington Nationals, who. I think it was actually really important that he showed up these playoffs. I mean, he really showed up the second half of the year for the Nationals and was absolutely raking in the playoffs. And I think it's key, especially with the looming inevitable free agency of Bryce Harper. He's going to leave. And I'm not saying that Michael Taylor is the next Bryce Harper. or, no, no, no. or Michael Will... Taylor is the next Bryce Harper. You heard it here, yeah, for... you yeah, heard it here first. Michael Taylor, 330 with 40 home runs next year. 60 stolen bases. <laughs> Did Bryce Harper steal 60 bases? <laughs> no, but he's got to make up that war somewhere. Yeah, true. <laughs> um, but he he was crushing the ball in the NLDS, and I think probably we should ask Zach, but gave some Nationals fans some hope for the future of the outf- outfield. You could do a lot worse than Adam Eaton, Michael Taylor, and Victor Robles. Like that is pretty damn good, and Bryce Harper leaving sucks, and I know I know it upsets you, but um, but and Michael Taylor has the defense to boot too, um, so is really like I I don't say this lightly, but he's kind of a lightweight five tool player, and and say, is and is really kind of breaking out right now, which is I think really promising for Nationals fans. I just want to say, it's Michael A. Taylor to you and to everyone, Michael A. Taylor, please. Yeah. Anyway, no, not, he's not the the. Like Michael Taylor, who was an A's prospect, who like made it to the majors for like a year or two and hit like one ninety, and I don't <laughs> even know if he's still playing baseball anymore. Um, I anyways, wish it was though. Yeah, Michael Taylor. I ha- find it hard to hate on him because he's so likable, and he is. He just he has a baby face, and I think that protects him from any of the like criticism that may be thrown at him from Nationals media. But he's really electric. I'm I'm of the mind that I love speed maybe a little bit too much in baseball players and that's why i love taylor and buxton and uh billy hamilton so much even though they've struggled at times to put the ball in play and use that speed but just the fact how much it can help on defense like the nationals are they're set i mean they don't you don't want ever want to lose a franchise cornerstone like bryce harper but to be set up in the way that they are and having not really been all that terrible they were not astros terrible for that long the fact that they have this rich of a farm system to just replace these guys, it's like, y'all are going to be fine. It's going to be okay. Yeah, you could do a lot worse than Michael Taylor putting up a three-win season in really his, I mean, it's like his first, It's like his fourth major league season, but really only his second full one, and he's actually kind of like showing the promise. So, it's just and, a really... and, and could very much like, again, like he could have a 30-30 season in his sights if he really wanted to. He like, he actually did bad. Very well this year. So it anyway, also helps, I, I, I'm excited to watch. It him. also helps them that they can put him in center field and let Trey Turner play shortstop. Yeah, or or put him in right. He has the defense to play right too. God damn it! <laughs> I mean, the thing is, they have three center fielders in Eaton, Robles, and Taylor. God so it's damn like, it. <laughs> meanwhile, the Mets have the worst defensive outfield like five years running. Yeah. God damn it! All right. Um. Anyway, that just about does it. I mean. I feel like we have given these players <laughs> plenty of We have now given them their due. We will now never talk yeah. about them again. <laughs> Fuck all these players for the rest of eternity. But, um, yeah, when we come back, um, we're just going to, you know, pivot forward a little bit to the 2018 season. Yeah. They got no credit, no fancy clothes. They got no excuses. 
So we gave some players their proper due, and hopefully those players continue into 2018 off the momentum that they built in these playoffs. But now let's talk about what no one should ever talk about, the 2018 World Series odds. (laughs) I've always sort of taken exception, but also have eaten up those like way too early rankings for the next season right after the this season's championship ends in all sports, really. But I think it's a little bit more interesting if we take the top five World Series odds teams and we talk about why we think they will be successful or why we think they won't be successful. So based off what we saw in this these playoffs, because all, all five of these teams made the playoffs, <laughs> we're going to see a lot of turnover of just the same teams in the playoffs and the same teams being really good. But I think it, it's sort of an interesting conversation if we talk about why we think they will be good or why we think they won't be good based off what we saw. So the number five team is, unfortunately... <laughs> the new york yankees alex ha- i mean how do you feel about what you saw from this team this was a team that really beat its timeline and got out ahead of schedule and i know we've talked to that point to death but what do you think about them in 2018 will either propel them to be worthy of this fifth best odds or not be worthy i think that they are only going to go up from here and i think you could probably say that about most of the teams on this list but they really were ahead of schedule and guys and now they have Sonny Gray for a full season and they're going to have, you know, we mentioned him earlier, but like Chance Adams and Jordan Montgomery has got the opportunity to pull, put on a show and, and move forward. And, and Glaber Torres, who made no impact this year, obviously, but will, I don't know when he's supposed to be back, but will presumably be back at some point next season. And start at third base, probably. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of really looking forward to it because it feels like the Yankees are turning a corner and are on their way to being one of baseball's best teams again. And Also, I think- can I say, just getting a young influx of talent and moving some of that talent over to third base sort of worked out for the Astros this year, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so I think that, I don't know, I mean, I... I agree with this placement of where they are. I think they'll probably be in the top five or six best teams next year. So I'm, I feel optimistic about them, frankly. I think there may be some, I think that their pitching rotation will probably still need some growth. I don't know if you can count on CC again. He is getting old, right? He's not going to be yeah. great forever. So, so um, if they were to fail to reach this expectation, is that why, do you think? Uh, probably. I mean, maybe Jordan Montgomery doesn't take a step forward and maybe Masahiro Tanaka struggles and just isn't the guy that we saw in his first couple of years. I mean, I think that there's there was enough kind of inconsistency there that, I mean, they're, they have Aaron Judge and they have Gary Sanchez and I don't think those guys are going to be bad next year. <laughs> um, it's been a while since we've talked about Aaron Judge, but yeah. Aaron Judge, probably not going to hit 50 home runs. Aaron Judge, still going to be really good. He's still a really good baseball player. <laughs> He's not going to be worth nine and a half or he'll just be worth seven and a half. Uh, still really good. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, so so that's those are my feelings on them. They're good. They got some question marks, but you know maybe they fill those uh, a hole, a back-end rotation spot through free agency. So we'll see. Uh, this next one sort of hurts me to have to be the one to talk about, but it feels fair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> talk to me about the Nats. <laughs> so they're fourth, they have the fourth best odds. The Nats, there's no perceivable reason for them to take any step back. Not yet, right? So obviously when Harper leaves in 20... 20- I just said when Harper leaves as if he's definitely leaving. But when Harper... I mean, let's beca- be real. <laughs> <laughs> when Harper becomes a free agent and likely leaves, that will that will set them up for maybe a step back. But in terms of this team, I mean... This team is ridiculously loaded. Just their lineup from top to bottom is light years ahead of anyone else in the NL East. And there are three, potentially four really bad NL East teams that they have to play 19 times a year or whatever it is that you play your your division opponents. And so there is no perceivable reason for them to step back. That That's why I think that they will fulfill this fourth best World Series odds. And it's never really made sense to me that why they didn't perform in the in the playoffs. I don't think it's a curse. I don't think it's some unreasonable accumulation of nerves that the Nats have. <laughs> I just feel like it's small sample size and they got beat by really good teams. So 
if this I'm going to continue to predict them to be the team that makes the leap and makes it into the World Series so that I can continue to jinx them, even though I just said that I don't believe in a curse. But I really don't see them being all that different from this year because they haven't really lost anyone, you know? The young talent, like you said, you could do worse than if an injury happens replacing Bryce Harper with Michael Taylor or Victor Robles when they want to call him up or, you know, Adam Eaton starting every day after getting injured last year. That I think we underrate how big that was. Yeah. If you have Adam Eaton out there... As, opposed, as opposed to Jason Worth? Yeah. Potentially, <laughs> you beat the Cubs. Yeah. It's Probably, very possible. I mean, it's not... It's not unreasonable. Jason Worth was pretty bad in that series, and he was hitting second. So new manager is it's interesting. They'll reunite Kevin Long with our boy Daniel Murphy. In terms of reasons that I think they would be bad, I just think they have some injury concerns. Bryce has never really been healthy for a full year except that incredible 2015 MVP year. That's a problem. Obviously, you hope to see Adam Eaton recover from a pretty bad ACL tear, but... With baseball players, that's not quite as big of a concern as with basketball players, just because there is not as much emphasis on explosion and and that kind of thing. But their rotation is low-key really thin if they lose the top of it. It's very deep if everyone's healthy, but the fact that you can't count on Strasburg for 200 innings, and, and Scherzer you've been able to count on for those 200 innings, and that's why he's been the Cy Young the last two years, but... Um, I'm just assuming that he's going to win it this year. Yeah, but if you if for whatever reason you can't count on him the way that you have the last couple of years, that that rotation's kind of thin. You have Strasburg, but then you have I mean you have guys like Gio Gonzalez and you have Tanner Roark and you have Joe Ross. You also don't know oh, who's, and Eric Fetty is he's going to be that healthy? Yeah, who the fuck is that? Like that that rotation is really thin. It's top heavy, and so while that bodes well in the playoffs, even though it hasn't really boded well in the playoffs in the last couple of years. I think that is sort of an area of concern because no matter how well this lineup hits, it's not going to overcome Gio Gonzalez being your ace if two guys go down. Like, that just won't happen. Yeah, well, and you're counting on Harper to stay healthy, right? That This is going to be, I think, a big year for him um, just in terms of, like, everyone talks about, oh, the contract year and he's got to play up. And I think he probably will. If he's if he's healthy, he's going to be good you yeah. know you know that he's going to be good i'm not We're saying splitting hairs here though it's like is he going to get 400 million or 480 million <laughs> well well yeah i'm not talking so much about like what he gets in uh free agency but more i don't know if if normal bryce harper hits 330 with 40 home runs i want to see contract year bryce harper hit like 370 with 60 home runs i'd be into that so uh so bryce harper that's that's our guy yeah, I mean, I love Bryce. I've, I'm excited to see him out of the NL East. But yeah, that, that's probably the that will be the problem health for this team. Otherwise, uh, my Mets are hoping for a wild card spot. <laughs> uh, you you bring that up. I just want to point out the Mets are eighth on this list in World Series odds. It's because it's New York bias, dude. <laughs> no. it's like they don't even watch the the people who make these don't. They're not tuned into the dysfunction of this team. New manager guys coming back healthy they don't realize that matt harvey is never going to be matt harvey again and they don't realize that Syndergaard's not going to pitch more than 140 innings like um, look at me being my cynical self yeah right all right next on this list houston astros um, take it away hot take they're still gonna be good yeah still thinking they're gonna be a good baseball team no one's gonna challenge them are they gonna be better yeah probably it's very possible that the uh the astros are only going to improve as a team Springer has probably hit his peak development-wise, if we're being honest. And Correa, again, it's about him staying healthy. And, I mean, I mean, that's, like, the very easy thing you can say about every good team is, like, well, their stars have to stay healthy because if they don't, like, they're going to be bad. Um, <laughs> frankly, they don't have a lot of question marks, though. I mean, if they do... This, is, I, this I, sounds eerily similar to what we said about the Cubs last year. Yeah. I mean... If they do, it's with their rotation again, probably. Bullpen is a pretty easy thing to fix, but uh, I think the Astros' rotation just kind of needs to maintain the level that they were at, right? I'm not worried about their offense. I don't think a single person in the world is worried about their offense. Um, I probably have more faith in, uh, like I said, I probably have more faith in their core than I did in the Cubs' core. So we'll see. It's also just younger yeah, and less prone to um, like I feel like the Cubs core is a little bit more mercurial in that sense that like Schwarber might hit one ninety with like thirty five home runs like 
Carlos Correa is not going to hit 190. Altuve is not going to hit below 290. <laughs> Although, shit, I forgot. Tyler Clippard's going to be a free agent, so I don't really know what they're going to do without him. Burn it down. The bullpen is <laughs> fucked. <laughs> Yo, yeah, this, it's kind of time. Astros need to uh, rebuild again. Yeah, cut it down. I yeah. mean, this was their last window. I'm happy for them that they won it in this window, <laughs> but it's really time. If they don't do it now, they might never get a chance. Yeah, true. So what was your point on for why they might not be successful? Did you did you make one? Is there one? I mean, I don't really think there. If you want to look for one, it's injuries. It's, uh, I I said they're just rotation needs to maintain. Yeah, I feel like they. I mean, they have Verlander under contract for two more years. They'll be fine. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, again, it's like one of those rotations. It's like kind of top heavy in that it's Verlander and Keuchel. And the other thing, Morton, though, is that- again, but he's also getting older. And I'm not saying he's going to be bad, but but you need to. I mean, McCullers as well. It's kind of dependent on him being good the whole year, which he was not. He was good for half of it. Yeah. So I mean, the other thing though is that they have the farm system and they don't spend a lot of money, and they're in a big market, so they have theoretically money to spend, so they can get a free agent if they want to. I'm not really. There's not really much in the way of starting pitchers on the free agent market. I mean, there's Jake Arrieta, but do you really want to pay up for Jake Arrieta? But they could trade for someone pretty easily. They have a deep enough farm system and a young enough team that's already on the roster that they could do it if they needed to. Yeah. If it was really a pressing concern. But anyway, that, that's it's not really worthy of speculating about. The next team on this list is the Indians. It's like we almost forget about them, but they were really good for all of this year. They won 20-something straight games. Reasons that I would believe that they'll be successful again, uh, everything. <laughs> um, their rotation, I mean, their rotation was by war the best starting pitching rotation of all time and i don't really see that changing because it's anchored by it is deeper like it like what we've been talking about with these last couple teams is that it's not a deep rotation and if they lose if the nats lose scherzer or if the astros lose verlander or keichel um they're kind of screwed and they're throwing up relatively no-name guys but the indians rotation i mean it is it's from one through five. I mean, those are all capable MLB pitchers who can carry what is a pretty loaded offense. And, I mean, you have Kluber, Salazar, Bauer, Carrasco, Carrasco, Tomlin. I mean, uh, several of these guys are, like, young, hard throwers, and and I just don't really see that pitching rotation taking too much of a step back with with the caveat that if they all get injured, of course, they're fucked. But (laughs) Again, the caveat of all these teams, (laughs) every player has to still stay healthy. You know what I will say is... I yeah, prob- make a case. I need the case for why they might not. I have a little it. less confidence in their rotation. I mean, their rotation was maybe the best of all time. They're not going to repeat that. Josh Tomlin puts together a good year. You know, Salazar and Bauer. These are guys. Those three. I'm actually. I have a little less confidence in them. Bauer is still. He's good and he's a hard throwing guy, but he's still kind of trying to figure it out. And nah, I have faith in him. He's a weirdo. Salazar, Salazar strikes out like 12 guys per nine, but also doesn't have the best control. And Josh Tomlin gives up like a home run every single inning. I love so this. I love that you're pouring water on this. <laughs> no, I mean, I think it's a worthy conversation to have because these are all guys who, when they're good, as we saw, they're really fucking good. And so we just had a year of where they had a lot of really good luck. Um, and so if you want my hot take... They're not going to win 25 straight games again. Well, Well, no. And if you want my hot take, it's that I think the their pitching staff will be their Achilles heel coming into the year. Not in... I mean, again, I still think they're going to be one of the three best teams in baseball and will... Yeah. Achilles and, had the Achilles heel, but he was still like a half-Greek god. <laughs> so like he fucked some shit up. <laughs> but I think when it comes to like the trade deadline, that'll probably be the need they're addressing the most. Because I'm not too worried about their offense as much they have some uh, good young prospects as well but i think you know we may see a guy like tomlin fall off or salazar not able to stay healthy or just really can't locate the ball at all so that's probably the one thing i'm most concerned about with them the other thing though is that andrew miller will perceivably be healthier for longer than he was this year and that that might be able to patch up some of that concern. You don't want to overwork him in the regular season because you know they're going to overwork him in the playoffs, assuming that they make it. But I, I kind of am not all that worried about the rotation. But then again, you know, rotations tank way faster than we expect them to. You heard it here first. Indians rotation, bad next year. Worst in the Bottom league. five. <laughs> <laughs> no, again, they're, they're going to be good. The Indians, they're fine. They're fine. They're totally fine. Okay, last, last team. team. <laughs> <laughs> the Los Angeles 
Dodgers. Dodgers. The Dodgers of Los Angeles. So, good squad. A lot of good guys. Really good baseball team. I've mentioned them a few times on this here podcast. Yeah. Um, What do you got? They're still going to be good. Again, (laughs) like most of these teams, there's a reason that they are at the top of the Vegas odds. I think that they relied on some breakouts from guys, guys like Chris Taylor, Yasiel Puig having a revival year. And so it will take that for them to continue. And again, they're also losing some key pieces. They're losing Darvish, who was there for them in the, uh, you know. Um, do we know for sure that they're not going to resign him? No. Because I think that they might try so that they can get Shohei Otani. That's my theory. All right. Their payroll is going to be like $800 million, but. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, they have guys to replace him if they need him to. Guys like Walker Bueller, who's their top pitching prospect. So, yeah, which is insane. Just the fucking wealth of riches. They were kind of relying on, I mean, you you know, you had Bellinger breakout, which like Adrian Gonzalez just isn't even in the picture anymore, which is really sad because I really like him. Uh, yeah, um, I find it hard to believe that Bellinger's going to hit 39 home runs and 350 plate appearances. But maybe he will. You never fucking know with this baseball team. They just <laughs> pull stars out of their asses. Um, so, but, you know, you had the Austin Barnes breakout. That was really, I think, what carried them was breakout performances from guys who you weren't really expecting it from. You know, I mentioned Chris Taylor. And so I, we'll see where they go from here. If those guys can build off those performances, they'll be all right. The Dodgers... Not worried about them. The rotation is still great, too. They're losing Brandon Morrow. Like, again, these are all guys who are going to free agency, and they won't necessarily lose. But um, the the bigger question marks are kind of these guys who were staples of the rotation or the bullpen or whatever it is. So the Dodgers... Uh, yeah, there's a reason not, that they won the division five straight years. I'm really not that worried. The, well, the thing I will say, though, is that unlike the Astros, they at least have some competition within their division. Yeah. And I think that will push them in a way that perhaps the Astros, the Astros championship hangover, you could say, might not matter as much. I mean, we saw with this past year, the Cubs and the Indians took forever to wake up. And I mean, the Indians woke up in a big way and ended up winning hella games. But the Cubs really never did. And they just sort of eked out a playoff spot. So I think the Astros can afford to do that. The Dodgers can't. No. And I don't think that they will because Kershaw's going to go every five days. And I think that is is big and instrumental in the fact that they will be good. But they went on a pretty bad slump for a large part of this year. And I think if that slump comes in the beginning of the season or like beginning middle of the season, the Diamondbacks are good. The Rockies are young. I think that will be a little bit more problematic. And then we'll start to sort of see, I mean, we even saw it with the mood of this team where they were like, there were quotes to the press and and, in the LA times that were like, we just can't figure it out. We don't know why we're losing. There's clearly something wrong, but we don't know what it is. I think if that comes at the wrong time, that is sort of a red flag for this team. But again, they are much better than the other teams in their division. Yeah, and they have relatively deep bench too, just in tr- at catcher and in the outfield. They're really, they're really going to be okay. The rotation is incredible. Alex Wood is amazing, and Kenta Maeda was really instrumental for them, kind of being that swing rotation the bullpen guy for them. So. Not Can't wait to watch the exact same teams play each other again next yep, year yep. and have the exact same thing happen yep. and have the Dodgers win the World Series in seven next year. Yeah, we're living in the golden age of like really good fucking baseball teams, and it's not fair. I didn't feel this way when like the Giants and Royals were playing. I was not like, whoa, two powerhouses of teams. We were like, how did these teams stumble their way into <laughs> That the really World was Series. every single year. I was like, they, they shouldn't be here. <laughs> All right. <laughs> these um, teams... They should all be here. <laughs> so my ticket out the window. So my suitcase out there too. So my troubles out the door. I don't need them anymore. We've got a super duper law on this, but there was a lot to get off of our chests after this this incredible 2017 season and these playoffs so yeah do you got anything else to add alex i'm sad that the season i don't know what i'm gonna do for the next few months i'm gonna like just keep refreshing fan graphs hoping that there's more stuff 
on there that I can read, burrow into my bed. I had fun this year. Did you have fun this year? I had a lot of fun this year. Yeah. Met, uh, Mets and A's performances aside, <laughs> this was a good have, this was a good ass year of We baseball. still have YouTube highlights. Think yeah. about that. True. Just, <laughs> Five months of just Andrelton Simmons, Manny Machado <laughs> YouTube highlights. Cue them up. Yo, it's get good them to, on our TV. It's good to say these names. Like yeah, players right. we kind of forgot about. Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna miss talking incessantly about the Astros and Dodgers. Not really. I'm not gonna miss talking incessantly about them. It's, nah. it's getting a little bit dry. Yeah. But I'm gonna miss watching Mike Trout, man. Yeah, that is true. But we've already we've dealt with missing that for the last six weeks. True. So yeah, yeah. I hope y'all enjoy the 2017 season. It's been sort of a whirlwind for us covering it week to week. It, it made me appreciate baseball in a different way. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna get back to a, that uh that normal dumbass funny podcast normal content Hashtag weird baseball. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully we'll have some good guests in this off season. Um, if you have suggestions for that, hit us up. Yeah. Other than that, thanks for listening. Yeah, we will. Uh, we'll be back next week. Yeah. <laughs> we will still. Continue we're not. We're not done. Yeah, no, no, no. Are you kidding? But um, we're only getting started. Oh boy, here, here yeah. comes some weird shit. Yeah, we're gonna. It's gonna be like mid December, and we're just gonna be like in the studio, like notes everywhere, <laughs> like haven't slept in days, like we have to. D- the show must go on. <laughs> Mike Trout, please come back. <laughs> Um, all right, yeah, but anyway, thanks for listening, y'all, and uh, we'll be back next week with some alt baseball content. Hell yeah. Throw my ticket out the window. Throw my suitcase out there, too. Before we get off Marlon Gonzalez... I'm not going to keep this in the podcast, but he's listed as a shortstop, first baseman, and third baseman, and he played left field for them? Yeah. Yo, he can literally play any position. (laughs) That's fucking dumb. (laughs) Put him at catcher. Yeah.